Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today. This is Conversations with the Real Estate Redhead, and I'm kind of doing a little bit of a mini-series on what to expect when buying a house. And so today what we're going to talk about is whenever you are meeting up with your agent and you're, you know, going to different houses, what to expect, what to look for, what to look out for, and different things like that. So let's go ahead and get started. welcome guys. Thank you for coming on today. I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about my weekend before we get started here. It kind of is fitting with what to expect with showings and things and such. I freaking had the craziest afternoon yesterday. So I haven't had a day off in a little over a week. So I'm a little feisty and um, just a little extra today. So just a little extra spicy. So you're welcome in advance. But um Last night or yesterday afternoon, I got done showing houses and it was Sunday afternoon. So my husband and I were going to watch some Netflix. We ordered some pizza and we were just going to hang out and, you know, have a good afternoon, relax, not really do much of anything, but just be couch potatoes. And then all, all day I knew that I had a, um, a option period expiring. So whenever you go into contract, you have a certain amount of days to, um, be able to get through you know, this period of time where you're doing your inspections and, you know, everything else like that. And so my seller, my seller and I were waiting to hear back from the buyers on if they wanted anything done after the inspection. And we knew that we were waiting on bid and we were waiting on a bid to come in and it was Sunday afternoon. So it's kind of like, okay, well, what are our expectations even going to be? And so all day I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll just wait around until this afternoon. If I don't hear anything back, then, you know, I'll reach out. And so I reached out to the contractor, I reached out to the buyer's agent, and it wasn't until like three o'clock that we finally got some traction going. And of course, it's always the final hour. Like, why does it have to be that way? <laughs> um, and so that was, it's just kind of stressful when you're waiting around and you're trying to relax, but you can't fully relax because you have two hours to make a decision. And not only do, does your seller have to decide and make this decision, but so does the buyer. They have to agree and they have to sign and they have two hours to do all of this and you still don't know what the answer is going to be. So it was just kind of, just kind of a lot. Um, but it's just one of those things. So we're waiting around and we get the bid and I'm like, okay, well, what's the buyer going to do? Like, cause they we're, we're trying to decide, are we going to get the work done for this electrical bid? Or are we going to give a credit? The, you know, the original bid was going to be around 1200 bucks. The document that came in with, from the actual written up bid was 1900 bucks. So we're like, what the heck? And then there were some things on there like replace a light bulb. And my seller was like, I'm not replacing a light bulb for them. And so literally we had an hour to go. And I was like, do you just want to extend this? Let's get another a second opinion out there. So we decided to extend. Um, she signed it. And then the buyer signed it. So we were good to go. But during whenever all of that was happening, I was getting... Um, uh, text messages from two other buyers that I have that wanted to go ahead and place a contract on something that I had recently shown them. So one of them tells me, this is just, this just ate me up. I was so frustrated. So one of them tells me, yes, let's go ahead. Let's proceed. Super happy for this couple. They're looking at buying a waterfront condo in Rockport. Super beautiful. Absolutely perfect. They've spent a lot of time running the numbers the agent and I have been in, in really close communication talking about the rental numbers. She even went and she videoed it, put the video on YouTube and so that my, so that my buyers could see it. Cause it's an active vacation rental. It's really hard for them to get in, um, you know, amongst the other showings and different things like that. So 
um, did all of this work for us, helped us out. And so I messaged her yesterday afternoon whenever they told me they were ready to do the offer. And I said, hey, you know, I'm going to be writing up an offer for the unit. Um, Do you have any offers yet? And she was like, yeah, they actually are coming to terms with an agreement on one. And I was like, you're kidding me, right? Like you and I have been in discussion about an offer and now you're telling me that y'all just came to an agreement on one. And she was like, she was like, yeah, they're actually, and I was like, well, my, well, my buyers are cash. Like they're ready to offer. Are your sellers willing to, willing to accept or, you know, push out the deadline for all offers to be accepted? She was like, well, they're, well, they're pretty much already in agreement. And I'm like, this cannot be happening. Like my poor buyers, they've been, you know, really, I mean, it's been two weeks since I showed it to them, you know, so I guess you could argue and say, you know, well, maybe they should have made their decision faster. However, it's a big choice and, you know, they they were running all the numbers and everything else. So I was super bummed for them, um, you know, but there's going to be another unit that they're interested in in the same complex. So I think that, we're, that they're still going to be happy and still going to be able to get a good unit. But nonetheless, like that was a, a really low blow that we were not expecting at all. And so all of that is happening at the same time. I'm trying to negotiate this repair amendment and wait to hear back. And I'm trying to relax with my husband and it's just, you know, trying to watch Ozark on Netflix and it's just not happening. And <laughs> then I get another text, the other text from the other person. And they're like, They're like, hey, you know, we really like this house at such and such address that you showed us over the weekend. Let's go ahead and put in an offer. Can you run us the numbers? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. So I ran her the numbers. You know, we knew that it was overpriced by about 10 or 20,000. And but I told her, I said, if you go any lower than, you know, about 20,000 off, you're probably going to um, you're probably going to insult the the seller and you probably won't get a counter. And she was like, well, that's fine. This is the number we want to come in at. And it was like, I'm trying to do the math in my head real quick. It was like 60 grand off the asking. And I was like, this, the, what? Like, I do not want to approach this agent and give her an offer that's 60,000 less than asking price. And so <laughs> while I'm trying to negotiate this, I'm talking to my buyer and I'm like, girl, you're being crazy. Why are you being crazy? Then I am dealing with my other buyer who I'm so upset for, who isn't going to be able to get this unit that he wants to get, that he's been running the numbers and really trying to discuss with his wife. That's what they want to go ahead and proceed with. So all these things just literally, I mean, less than an hour, honestly, it was like just a lot all at once. And then it just kept trickling throughout the rest of the evening. And I was just like, can I please just go hide my phone somewhere and just enjoy my evening and not deal with this? So that's just another little segue for y'all. Um, pretty tired and, um, you know, something else to, to like help people realize what you see on the highlight reels on social media, what you see on HGTV and Netflix when it comes to real estate, ain't it. Okay. So, um, if anybody ever wants to pop some popcorn and listen to some, listen to some things, I could definitely fill you in. But on another note, I want to talk to you guys today about what to look for whenever you're going and looking at houses. So say you're, you're really excited, you know, you're going to go be um, seeing your potential first, you know, your, your potential next purchase or your first time house. And you're really excited to be looking at houses with your agent and you're just really hopeful and what to expect when you go with your agent. Let's talk about that today. Um, and try and like help you guys see things from an agent's perspective when you're going and looking at houses because you don't want to just look at the house and say oh yeah I like the layout you want to you want to look at it with a fine-tooth comb um and you know because ultimately whenever you buy a house you don't get a whole lot of views I mean you'll go and you'll see it the first time fall in love with it 
you might be able to see it again during the inspection process, but after that, you really don't get to see it very much. You have a final walkthrough. If you're lucky, maybe if you're just if you're just impatient, like the last time I bought my house, I wanted to go see it again <laughs> before closing. Um, so I mean, you might be able to get a second, uh, you know, another view in there, but most most often you don't. So you want to be sure and you and, and take a good a good solid look at it. Um, but you know, your agent is there to help you and, and to support you and look for things too. But um, I just wanted to kind of give you guys a, a perspective, um, different perspective whenever you're looking at houses rather than just you know the the stars you see in your eyes so um one thing to kind of expect if you're going to be spending the afternoon with an agent depending on if you live in that town or not we're a very vacation-based um town so a lot of my buyers come into town for the day or for the weekend so i don't always line up we 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 typically will line up as many showings as we possibly can fit um but most commonly if this is going to be you know your primary residence you live in the town already you know, on an afternoon after work, you might be able to see two or three houses, you know, on a Saturday afternoon, you might be able to see four or five, but, you know, just try and keep your expectations realistic. You know, seeing more than 10 houses a day is probably difficult. Um, probably more than six or seven is, is difficult in an afternoon. So, um, just for time reasons and just because you're going to get tired, um, after seeing so many. So let's talk about it a little, a little bit whenever you walk up to the house. So you pull up, you get out of your car, the first thing to look at for me is going to be the foundation. What do we have? Do we have a slab foundation? Do we have a pier and beam foundation? Or do we have pilings where your house is raised really high in the air and you can walk underneath it? What are we looking at for the foundation? If we've got, um, if we've got slab foundation, I'm always looking at how high the slab is in accordance to the grade of the soil. So can you see the slab? Can you see that there's concrete the concrete foundation that the house is sitting on or is it buried under the ground is it right in contact with the grass is there a bunch of weeds or is there a bunch of vegetation growing on the side of the house your soil contact to the side of the house is super important because it can allow moisture in which will create uh, mold growth it can allow termites and insects in um, and so you just want to make sure that you've got a good um, you know you've got a good foundation line that your soil to to contact with the side of the house, you know, is looking healthy. Um, also, as you're walking up, you know, you want to see, you know, look at the eaves of the house, which is um, where the roof, um, where the edge of the roof is. Typically, you'll have hardy board there or you'll have wood there. You want to see if there's any wood rot going on. Does the house have gutters to be able to keep the water away from the side of the house? A lot of times houses don't have gutters, but you might look out. Um but a lot of times water can puddle and water can drip over into the corners of the house. And so you want to make sure that the sides of the house where the corners meet, um, you know, you're not seeing wood rot and you, you're probably going to see a little bit. I mean, it's, it's, it's impossible for a house to be every house you see to be perfect and to have, you know, no rot at all. I mean, even on my, even on my house, I've got some wood rot, um, on the corners. I mean, it's, not a big deal over time, you know, I'm going to want to fix it, but it's not something that's an immediate need, but you just want to be careful because termites love wood rot, insects love wood rot, um, and it could deteriorate your house pretty quickly if it's not maintained. Um, and so those things are pretty important. Also, depending upon the type of financing you get, if you're a veteran and you're using a VA loan, or if you're a buyer using an FHA loan, those appraisers, when they come to the house, they look for wood rot. And that's not something they want to see. 
And so, you know, that's something to keep in mind. Um, sometimes it can be a quick, a quick fix and others it's, you know, the, the lender might require repair. So you just want to try and shield yourself from that at the very beginning. Um, so those are some things to keep in mind. Um, you know, the foundation, the soil contact is really important. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the windows. When you walk up to the house, you can probably tell it's so funny when people renovate a house, they'll touch everything in that whole house, but they won't replace the windows. And don't get me wrong. I mean, it's not like it's this big deal, but whenever you have old windows in a fully remodeled house, they stick out like a sore thumb. Is it a big deal that they're not as visually appealing as a new window? Not really. But as far as they're being, them being able to, you know, keep out moisture and, um, you know, help keep to keep the house insulated, they're not going to do that good of a job. They're not very energy efficient. Um, and they're just kind of ugly too. You know, they've got that metal, uh, border around them. If you're trying to get into a house and this is your first house or y'all are on a pinch and you don't want to spend the money to replace the windows, who cares? But it's just something to keep in mind. Um, it's always a nice thing to have. Um, it's always a nice thing to have whenever your windows are updated. Um, but also some things that are called out in inspections a lot. And one thing that I'm dealing with with one of those uh, with my seller and the buyer on the house I mentioned earlier at the beginning of the podcast is one of the windows won't open very easily. It can still open, but the buyer's wanting it replaced and my seller's like, eh, you can do it yourself. <laughs> so things like that are something to, to think about. Also, after a while, windows don't hold their seal anymore. They don't hold a double pane windows. Sometimes they will they will lose their seal and air will be able to be trapped in between them. And it just looks kind of like a fogged mirror. Um, and that's something to, to keep in mind whenever you're going around and looking at houses. I've had buyers back out before because there was four or five fogged window, uh, fogged windows and the seller wasn't willing to replace the window pane. Um, so, you know, that's something to keep in mind. It doesn't, I don't want to say I'm not a window manufacturer. This is a podcast. I guess I can say whatever I want, but just be careful with that because, uh, with windows, because it may or may not affect the functionality of it. I have a fogged window in the front of my house. I could care less about it. Is it annoying? Yeah. Do I look at it and be like, wow, I wish that wasn't fogged. That's about it. <laughs> I don't have any water dripping from it. I don't have any issues, no leaking. It's just not as visually appealing as if it wasn't there, but I don't really care. Um, so something else to think about too, because of my background in insurance, I can't really ever shut it off. I really try and suppress it as much as possible, but I'm always wondering how old the roof is. So whenever you buy a house, you really don't want the roof to be more than 10 years old. Um, just, just to help protect yourself because within the next five years or so, if your roof is more than 10 years old, it doesn't matter if you've got a, a nice shingle roof or not. Um, you know, and it looks like there's no granule loss on the shingles or anything the insurance company is going to want to see a new roof after 15 years. Some of them are getting picky and doing 10 years because shingles are just not made the way they used to be. If you have a metal roof, buy the house. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But honestly, metal roofs are amazing. Um, so you can just kind of ignore this if you've got a metal roof. But when it comes to shingles, you know, the roof, the roof lifetime is not very long. On a metal roof, you're looking at 20 plus, 30-ish, um, you know, and shingle manufacturers will tell you that, you know, on a, um, 
on a nice shingle roof that it'll last 30 years, but we all know that it won't. Um, and insurance companies will stop covering it um, for full replacement cost after about 15 years. Some will let you go to 20, but that's very few and far between. So that's, those are something, some good things to keep in mind. Um, and so this is all kind of the outside stuff. So let's talk a little bit about the inside of the house. So you walk in, the first thing that you ever notice, probably anytime you ever walk in a house, is the smell. How does it, the, the smell greets you as soon as you open the door. Is it a pleasant smell or does it smell like, you know, <laughs> my husband says, I used to love to go to Kirkland's and he says that it would always smell like Potpourri's butthole inside of Kirkland's. And if you walk into a house and it smells like that, you probably know what I'm talking about. They are trying to mask something or they just really want you to be greeted by a pleasant smell. No matter what, just be sure and smells can, can, can hide a lot of things. Pleasant smells. Um, if you've got mold growing in the house, or I guess I should say black organic material, if you have that growing somewhere in the house that you don't see, it's probably going to smell really musky. Um, kind of like dirt. Um, so that's something to keep in mind. Something else to watch out for um, is maybe if the person smoked or if they've got dogs. Um, I have a buyer right now who is ripping up the carpet in the master bedroom of a house that she uh, that she bought, and she didn't realize how bad the smell was. Um, but she said that the animals might not have ever even been outside because the carpet was just horrific. Um, and so those things like that are just really good to keep in mind. Sellers can try and mask smells, um, but, you know, don't be too crazy or anything, but it's just something to think about. Um, but something else too, um, whenever you're walking through a house, I always look up at the ceiling where the ceiling meets the wall, because if there was any kind of prior, um, water damage, you're going to be able to see it there. Um, you'll see old water stains and things like that. Um, usually on the exterior of the house or maybe where like a bedroom, uh, wall will meet like a hallway wall or something like that. Um, so things like that are really important to, uh, to look at. And then something else too, that I want to be sure that you guys are aware of whenever you buy a house, the refrigerator is not going to automatically come with the house just because it's there whenever you go to see it. So keep in mind that if the, if the homeowner has a washer and dryer, and if they have a refrigerator, you're not, in, you're not just going to be able to get those because they are there whenever you're seeing the house. Even if the house is completely vacant and they don't even live there anymore, they still don't have to give you those items at closing. Um, so that's really important whenever you're walking in, walking through with your realtor is to make sure whatever appliances you see that you like, to make note of them, take a picture of them, make sure that if it's a stainless steel side-by-side refrigerator and it's a Whirlpool or it's GE, whatever, that you're very specific about that. And you'll write up a document and sign the document called a non-reality items um, addendum. And basically it's saying, hey, these non-reality items I want. And you have to be super specific because if you just say the refrigerator, they could they could replace that with a mini fridge and still you could technically close because that's still a refrigerator. So you just have to be careful. People aren't as honest as, you know, people would, you would like to think people are. Um, but whenever it comes to buying a house, the only appliances that, that basically have to stay are the ones that are considered built in. And so a dishwasher is considered built in if it's already there. Same with a, um, same with the stove. 
um, a stove is considered built in. But the microwave, if it's above the stove, typically, or if it's in the wall, like, you know, like you'll see, that's considered a built-in. But if the microwave is just on the counter, that's not considered a built-in, and that would have to be, you know, asked for separately. So things like that are just important to kind of know. Um, and it's just really good, too, to ask your agent lots of questions because you never know what you don't know until it's too late. Um and then something that you thought would be there after closing, you figure out that you're having to go to Lowe's and buy yourself a $2,000 refrigerator. It's not necessarily the funnest thing. Um, and one last thing I want to talk about is going to be flooring. So there's a lot of things, a lot of things that can affect the, the, the slope of a house, the flooring, the foundation, all kinds of stuff like that. I was in a few houses over the weekend and man, I mean, you can just tell whenever you open a door sometimes and you just walk in, you look at the baseboards and it looks like it's bowed like an arch on the bottom of the floor. And it's so bowed. You don't even, sometimes you don't even want to walk across it. Um, I was joking with some of my clients this weekend. I just need to put like a, a tennis ball in my bag and hold on to it because sometimes it can be hard to tell if the way that the grain of the floor is is making the the room look like the foundation isn't level or if it's truly not level um there was a house that was actually built in 2019 this weekend that I was at, that I was in and the buyer was walking around I was with her husband and we were walking in a different part of the house and she came through and she said you guys are going to think I'm crazy but is this foundation not level I'm like well we're on a slab and the house is only a few years old surely it's fine I walked from the living room across the house to the, um, through the, from the laundry room through the living room. And there was a huge bow to the foundation and there was no cracked tiles. There was no cracking on the walls or anything like that. The house was, you know, built in 2019, but it makes you wonder, okay, what's really going on here? And you could actually feel it. And the way that the, the, the floors were the wood look floor, uh, tile, so it was kind of hard to tell by looking at the floor. And then you're just like scratching your head like, am I going crazy or is this really here? Um, so things like that are just really important to keep in mind. Um, I was in another house that was on stilts. And as soon as you walked into the living room, you could see over to the sides of the, to, to the corners of the living room. They were they were at a lower they were bowed down. Um, and like the sliding glass door was level, but the corners of the room were not level. And so maybe the subfloor was bad. Maybe the subfloor had started to rot and then it just slowly started to decay. So the flooring is fine. The baseboards are fine. There's not really any cracking, but there's definitely some issues going on because it wasn't, um, it was not level at all. So things like that, you just want to, you know, make sure that you see, you could always ask for the seller to fix it before closing. You know, you'll get your own inspections during the, during your inspection period and, if it's not something the seller's willing to do, not something you're willing to take on after closing, then, you know, that's something you guys can decide. Um, but all of these things are really important whenever you're going to look at a house. Different things to keep in mind. But as always, you always want to talk to your agent. You always want to pick their brain, have them be an extra set of eyes, um, and just make sure that you don't get stars in your eyes. Because I remember one time there was a house whenever my husband and I were buying our last house. Oh my gosh. I wanted this house so badly. I saw it online. This was before I was a realtor, saw it online, fell in love with it. It was in my neighborhood. I grew up in my parents were only three blocks away. I was like, this is fantastic. We're going to live in my old neighborhood dream come true. I'm going to live in the neighborhood with my parents. We're only going to be three blocks away. What could possibly be better? 
we go, we see the house. It's pretty phenomenal. There were some things that I was like, meh, I wish they wouldn't have done that. Um, however, it was fine. You know, it was great. And it's so funny <laughs> now that I'm an agent and I understand like the different like memes and stuff that you see online. The buyer's dad is like a joke in real estate because whenever a client brings their buyer's dad to a showing or they bring the buyer's dad to an inspection, you know that some things are going to get are going to be found and you're going to be having to calm down or cool down the situation because they found something that they believe was unfavorable and they know and they've got a cousin that can come and fix it or they got a cousin that had it happen to them and you shouldn't buy this house because the house is going to fall down. It's like a big deal. And it's and it's funny but also it's can be frustrating at the same time. Um, when you're trying to decipher it. So, and, and trying to calm down the situation. So my dad was with me. My whole family actually came with me to come see these houses. And, uh, we go around to the back of the house and my dad goes, and my brother also thinks that he knows everything. And he's actually a home inspector now. And this was before he was a home inspector too. (laughs) He goes, my dad's looking at the back of the roof and he's like, Oh my gosh, do you see those huge divots in that roof line? And I was like, no, I don't see anything. This house is great. We're going to be writing up an offer. What are you talking about? Well, Callie, I really think you need to slow down on that a little bit. You have some time. You don't need to just go write up an offer on the first thing you see. And I'm like, whatever, dad, it's fine. Like, this is This is what we're doing. I, the, the decision's been made. And he's right. We had only been in the house 15 minutes, but I had already had it made up in my mind that this is the house I wanted. Well, come to find out. The house was built when? Maybe in the 60s or the 70s. So whenever it was built, it was very compartmentalized. The house was not open concept at all. Well, these people that lived in it had renovated it and made the whole living room and the kitchen completely open. They had done an absolute stunning job. I mean, the kitchen countertops were perfect. They had a ginormous freaking island, beautiful white cabinets. It was amazing. The living room was ginormous. I mean, this house, it was just awesome. So anyway, we go to the backyard, whatever. My dad is showing me the roof line. And I mean, there's like, I don't want to call them craters because they weren't that deep, but I mean, they were like some huge, like bows in the roof. And then even like the top of the roof was sagging a little bit. And what that told me and my limited knowledge and what my dad was trying to explain is that the weight of them opening up the living area in the kitchen they might not have supported the roof and the ceiling. So all of that weight is, is being redistributed, redistributed throughout like other parts of the roof and it can't withhold all of that weight. So it's like starting to sag a little bit and all of my home dreams were crushed and we were like, fine, I guess we should probably not proceed with this. And we went and we found the house that we're in now and we absolutely love it. But, um, and it had like no issues in comparison to the, to the other one. So we were like, fine. And it was like $30,000 less. Um, and it had a bigger yard and different things like that. So different things can be on the horizon, but you know, you always want to look, you always want to make sure, um, that, you know, you know what you're getting into and it's not such a bad thing to bring your buyer's dad. <laughs> not, such, not such a bad thing to bring your family along with you to help you have a second pair of eyes. But, um, but just be careful when you're looking at houses and don't get stars in your eyes because it can be really hard to see through that. Um, but anyways, thank you guys for, uh, for tuning in. Y'all can always reach out to me if you have any questions about anything. I'm an open book, as you can tell. And you guys have a wonderful day.